0: As we come to this section of Numbers, we saw in Numbers 28 last week how God revealed to us these daily, weekly, monthly, and annual rhythms to celebrate with him, to give, to serve, to forgive, and to remember his forgiveness. And as Chad kind of drew that out of the passage, I was like, yes, that is awesome. I want to think about what are those rhythms in my life, daily, weekly, monthly, annually, But I kind of joked about this on the Pathway video last week, which is every Sunday afternoon we put out kind of a short video that goes with the message that you can use kind of some bonus content or as an extra reminder later in the week. And I kind of joked that reading that chapter ahead of time last week was like, if you say so, Lord, (laughs) what's in the next chapter? Because this is what I've described a little bit as like the dog days of Numbers, Uh, uh, These couple of chapters that are just like, so there were some bulls and some goats and some rams and some sheep and some rams and some goats and some sheep and some bulls and some sheep. Like, uh uh-huh, right. And if you're reading through it, you're like, well, I love you, Lord. I'm going to read every word, but I'm sort of like, is there something there for me? (laughs) So I want you to remember the blood of Jesus Christ who has resurrected me because even in our passage today, you will not see the name Jesus But Jesus is on every page. And everything that we'll see today is a shadow or reflection pointing forward to the name above all names. Jesus Christ. And so today we're actually coming to Numbers 29. So you can go ahead and find that in your Bible or if you've got your Bible app. Because in this chapter God's talking specifically about some of their annual rhythms. Three of them... Which are some of the most exciting and most important and they all happen in the same month of the year. And so this is like the holiday season for us where we're going to get Thanksgiving and and Christmas Eve and Christmas and New Year's Eve and New Year's Day and Boxing Day. Like if you're into that sort of thing is in there somewhere. Right. It's all in about one month span of time. And that's what the month of Tishri is on the Jewish calendar. And it's kind of strange because they have like three calendars depending on what's like the civil calendar and the farming calendar. So this is in some ways the seventh month of the Jewish calendar. You'll hear God call it that in the passage today. But it also functions like their new year. So that first holiday, Rosh Hashanah, means head of the year, which we also know as the Feast of Trumpets. A few days later, they get Yom Kippur, which Neil just mentioned to us. The Day of Atonement, that reminder of forgiveness. And a few days after that is this week-long celebration called the Feast of Tabernacles. So all of this is packed into one month. This is their holy day season when God is calling them to a special time of rest. In fact, this month comes when they are done harvesting all of the produce. And they have yet to plant more seed for the next season. And so it's like a month of kind of chilling with other people And with God. That like the more leisure time they had, the more the time they spent with God, serving God, with other people, celebrating God in their holy day season. So we're going to look at two of these specifically today. And as we do that, that's going to cover just the first 11 verses of Numbers chapter 29. And so I want to just read these to you. And, And as you listen to this, just these 11 verses, what you'll notice is... The first two holidays, the Feast of Trumpets and the Day of Atonement, sound very familiar. So this won't be on the screen, so don't panic if you don't see it, but you can follow along or you can just listen. This is what he says. And in the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you shall have a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work. For you, it is a day of blowing the trumpets. You shall offer a burnt offering as a sweet aroma to the Lord. One young bull, one ram, seven lambs in their first year without blemish. Their grain offering shall be fine flour mixed with oil, three-tenths of an ephah for the bull, two-tenths for the ram, and one-tenth for each of the seven lambs. Also one kid of the goats as a sin offering to make atonement for you. Besides the burnt offering with its grain offering for the new moon, the regular burnt offering with its grain offering and their drink offerings according to their ordinance. As a sweet aroma, an offering made by fire to the Lord. Now, on the tenth day of this seventh month, you shall have a holy convocation. You shall afflict your souls. You shall not do any work. You shall present a burnt offering to the Lord as a sweet aroma. One young bull, one ram, seven lambs in their first year. Be sure they are without blemish. Their grain offering shall be of fine flour mixed with oil, three-tenths of an ephah for the bull, two-tenths for one ram, and one-tenth for each of the seven lambs. Also, one kid of the goats as a sin offering besides the sin offering for atonement, the regular burnt offering with its grain offering and their drink offerings. Did you get all that? Okay, everyone, Bible's down. Get out a blank piece of paper. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I, I couldn't even do it. I've been studying this all week and I couldn't repeat to you exactly what that's supposed to be without opening it up again and saying okay 10th month hold on let me write this down. So when we read some of these kinds of things like honestly the, the feast of trumpets and the day of atonements have already been taught in the book of Leviticus and a lot of the fun details are actually in Leviticus. That's where we hear about like scapegoats and and you touch this goat you put the sins on them you send him out in the wilderness and you touch this goat and he sacrifices that stands in your place and So why is God saying this again? And what does it mean for us? That's why I wanted you to see this graphic that we actually use all the way back at the beginning of our series. Because we know that like the New Testament keeps referring to numbers. Like there's stuff here that we need. But really what we're trying to do is we're trying to bridge from their city thousands of years ago. Across this really wide river of culture and language and time and different situations and even a different covenant that we are under in Christ as Christ's followers from what they were under with the law. So when we come to a passage like this, we're trying to figure out what are the principles that bridge the river from their city to Jesus Christ and our city. And I think one of the reasons that God is repeating himself here, that he's saying this again, is that if you think about it, the entire generation that heard Leviticus is dead. dead. Joshua, Caleb, Moses, they're the only ones still alive. And right now, on the precipice of the promised land, they're not thinking dog days of numbers. They're thinking, finally, we're moving out of the wilderness. Like, this is building up excitement. And so God says, before you get there, don't forget. I am still the same God. I am still making the same promises. And I still want the same celebrations and the same reminders with you, my people. And so as we go into these, I pointed out how they can sound very similar. But actually, I think what we want to focus on here is what is different between these two days. That's an observation that sometimes when you're reading a text like this and it's difficult to understand and it feels repetitive, ask yourself, well, what's different? Last week, that's what revealed that this isn't just the same thing four times in a row. Some of it's daily, some of it's weekly, some of it's monthly, some of it's annual. So look at the differences that show up here between the Feast of Trumpets and the Day of Atonement. The Feast of Trumpets is called the first day of the month. Obvious difference, it's a different day. But the only other thing that really stands out is that it's a day of blowing the trumpets. You shift over to the Day of Atonement in verses 7 through 11. It says it's the 10th day of the month. And not only is there no customary work, you shall not do any work. Then he says, instead of blowing trumpets... You know, lots of noise and celebration. You shall afflict your souls. And we'll cover that. The only other difference that shows up is there's an extra goat for a sin offering. They both have sin offerings, but that's probably where it's talking about the scapegoat. That there were two goats that the high priest would bring forward. One to be sent into the wilderness as if their sins are being taken away and the other to be sacrificed in their place for that atonement. So we're going to use these differences to help us understand the principles that bridge us from their city to our city. So if you look back at verse 1, it says, In the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you shall have a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work. For you it is a day of blowing the trumpets. Now, this actually turns out to be a lot more fun than you might realize at first glance. Because that last phrase, For you it is a day of... Of blowing the trumpets. That phrase, blowing the trumpets. Like for us, there's a verb. There's an object. Like you could graph this. You know, you could chart this sentence. It's actually just one word. And it doesn't say blow. And it doesn't say trumpet. It says teruah. Teruah is actually the sound a trumpet makes. So for us, it might be like saying, hey, this is a really important day. It's the first day of the month. It's Rosh Hashanah. It's the new year. Man, for you, it is a day of... Doo, 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 doo. it's gonna be great but we're way too sophisticated to call it the day of doo-doo doo-doo. <laughs> so we say uh, uh, it's a day of blowing the trumpets but for them it literally says for you this is a day of teruah teruah and when we hear trumpet we usually think of a brass trumpet something like this and i don't know about you but learning an instrument can be difficult Like maybe your mom made you play piano. Maybe you picked up guitar and then one day you realized you were never going to play like Kenny or Mike or Mike or Neil. And and so it's just in a closet somewhere collecting dust. (laughs) Uh, That's a little bit what the trumpet was like for me. I got pretty far for a few years. But there's a lot of fingering to remember and emptying the spit valve. Like I mean, come on. This is like work, you know. So I still have it, but I'm not playing this one for you today. Because what they would be thinking of would be something different. Right? The priests had silver trumpets that they would play, but today they're thinking of something that is like the horn of an animal. This is something that's known as a shofar. Now, over the course of history, because God's people spread out to different countries, there were all different kinds of animals that would be used to create a shofar. So this one is often the most familiar that we see, which is like the horn of an ibex. In fact, still today, for the Feast of Trumpets, Jewish people, this picture just happens to be from Jerusalem, you know, playing the djembes, blowing the shofars, and you see that long twisty, like this is the most impressive one, like that looks cool, right? I'm not going to play this one either, because it's not mine, and I don't know whose lips have been on there. (laughs) But this is one that you often see, but in the book of Numbers, they wouldn't have been using the ibex yet. The shofar that they would think of was a ram's horn. A simple instrument. And part of what I love about this is you don't have to be wealthy enough to have silver to hammer into a trumpet. You don't have to be a priest. Literally, if your family has cattle, you can go get a ram's horn. You can join in on the Feast of Trumpets. That was like, in my trip to Israel, that was like the one thing I had to come back with. And, and Ruthie was sitting here in the last service teasing me about how, yes, every store we went into, do they have shofars? Do they have shofars? And there's a crazy amount of rules about how you make sure that your shofar is kosher and they got all the marrow out and it can't be cracked and all of this stuff. And this is the one that I came back with. This one actually is mine because there's so much meaning wrapped up into this sound. and anybody can play this my kids each have one of these I didn't think about it when I bought theirs I bought the smaller ones for kids kids are smaller get them the smaller ones smaller ones are much harder to play because you have to push the air that much harder but even they can play them and so there's times when uh, I get mine out and I start blasting it somewhere in the house and you can't not hear it right like if someone sounds the trumpet you hear it And then the next thing I hear is, like, down the hall, I can hear somebody else, and I start hearing the sounds of the trumpet. You know, we love that. And that's that's a big part of why they do this. In fact, I found one rabbi who specifically described the reasons for this. I, I think you'll love this. His name is Rabbi Saidiya Gaon. He says that here's what the trumpet sound is for. When you hear the teruah, there's several things, but I thought just the most exciting. One, it is a reminder that when Messiah comes he will gather his people from every corner of the earth. Like you bring that into a New Testament context that's exactly what it describes at the coming of the Son of Man with the sound of a trumpet. And I I don't think you can put this in ink but I just wonder sometimes if he's going to come back on the Feast of Trumpets because the trumpets will be sounding all over the earth. I, I don't know. But it reminds us of that. But the other thing that the rabbi said that it was for, its primary purpose on this day, is that it's an awakening for slumbering souls out of complacency. If you think about its position on the calendar, the Feast of Trumpets, just about ten days before the Day of Atonement. So it's a celebration. The holiday season has begun. But if you've been complacent, if you haven't been thinking about God, if there are places in your life that might have gotten off track, hey, you got ten days <laughs> till the Day of Atonement when we're making that sacrifice for sin for the nation. And so I think that kind of reveals to us the first principle that's in this passage for us today. We want to sound the trumpet for atonement. All right, so maybe you own a shofar and maybe you don't. You, you can try that long one. Like I said, I don't know who that belongs to. <laughs> you can't try mine. But metaphorically speaking, are we willing to sound the trumpet for atonement? Because that starts with me. Like, will I hear the wake-up call? Have, have I gotten in a rut? Like, has my rhythm turned into rut where I'm, I'm showing up at church and maybe I'm showing up at group and maybe I'm not, I'm not as much as I mean to and, and maybe I pray sometimes, but maybe I don't. And maybe I give into this temptation sometimes, or maybe it's more than I realized, or maybe I've stopped even worrying about this one because, like, does the Bible really apply today? I mean, because there's all this other stuff in our culture, and maybe, maybe that, maybe that doesn't really matter for us now, and we can sink into this complacency. Are you willing to pick up your trumpet and sound that call to wake up? Maybe people around you, but maybe it's just me first. <laughs> To wake up out of complacency when I hear that trumpet sound. See, because that leads us then right into the second holiday. If you look at verse seven, it says that on the tenth day of this seventh month, you shall have a holy convocation, you shall afflict your souls, you shall not do any work. And so you see one of the key differences there instead of blowing trumpets and banging drums and everybody's yelling and smiling, afflict your souls. He okay, so what does that mean? <laughs> because affliction's not good, right? Like, like whip myself or what? Well, so it's helpful to know that, that the root word there, it can mean a number of different things. Because where we have like past, present, future tense, like English is not simple, but our verb tenses are relatively straightforward. You know, Hebrew has like seven verb tenses and words change meaning based on the tense. So in this verb tense, it really carries the idea to humble or weaken oneself. So that this day of rest of no work is a day that I'm going to stop, slow down, humble myself before God, even weaken myself spiritually, physically, to address sin in my life with the God who is preparing for forgiveness. Often this is celebrated by people with fasting. 24 hours on this day without food, which reminds us, like we sang, Neil mentioned it, Jehovah Jireh means the Lord will provide. That it reminds us that I'm not eating by choice today, but I would never eat at all if God didn't provide for me. I'm reflecting on my need for forgiveness today because I could never be forgiven at all if God didn't forgive me. And so afflicting their souls is kind of taking this time, this moment to slow down and reflect with God on the needs for forgiveness in the past year. Here's how Leviticus describes it. And by the way, like, like I said, most of the fun details are in Leviticus. So we're not going to hit them all today because I, I really want to own what Numbers 29 is telling us. But if you want more on this, if you go to our app and you click book by book, You can scroll down to Leviticus. Scroll down to Leviticus 16. And there's a really classic Doug Daly message. Unpacking all of the details of the day of atonement there. But this is how it describes this affliction. It says this shall be a statute forever for you. In the seventh month. On the tenth day of the month. You shall afflict your souls. And do no work at all. Whether a native of your own country. Or a stranger who dwells among you. Another reminder that all of this is open to anyone. Who's willing to come to god on his terms for on that day the priest shall make atonement for you to cleanse you that you may be clean from all your sins before the lord and so this is that day once a year that only the high priest and only on this day could go into the holy of holies to the very presence of the lord in the middle of their tabernacle tent of worship and seek forgiveness on behalf of the people it's where you get all this strange tradition about how they would, like, they would tie a rope around his ankle and hang bells on him because if he goes in there and for some reason he wasn't forgiven and he drops dead in the Holy of Holies, who's going to go get him? You go get him. I'm not going to go get him. You go get him. <laughs> right? Well, I'm not the high priest and I'm sure I've messed up. Tell you what we do. We tie a rope around him next year and then we'll just drag him out if we have to. <laughs> that was very practical, I guess. Because they're always feeling this tension. Daily, weekly, monthly, and annually. Is God going to forgive? And it's strange because what I read about this day is that it's really intended to be a day that is sober, but not somber. Sober, but not somber. Because it is sobering to sit and pause and reflect and think about all the ways that I'm out of line with God. I think that's one of the hardest things in life is to admit it's not just my personality. It's a bad attitude. This is actually sin. It's not just my culture. This is out of line with God. This is actually sin. That's, That's hard for us to own because we don't like to feel like we've done bad things or like we've made mistakes. But what this commentator pointed out is the reason that it's sober but not somber is because although it is sober to reflect on that part of me... The mere fact that God is asking us to do that is because He anticipates making atonement for them. He anticipates the forgiveness that He's going to give. And so everything they uncover is something He's planned forgiveness for. And so I think that really brings us this is a hard one, but I think that's the second principle for us. Make time to examine yourself. Do you have that in your regular routine? I think one of the best things Socrates ever said, he he said a lot of interesting things, but one of the best was that the unexamined life is not worth living. Uh, Ooh, That's really intriguing, right? Like if I'm so busy that I'm going day to day, like alarm goes off and and I'm hitting the ground running until I set the alarm again and go back to sleep that night, there's probably a lot of life that I'm missing because I don't slow down to just think about it. Be thankful. Reflect. you make time to examine yourself hey God what do you think about the last 24 hours you're right I almost forgot thank you for that and you're right you're right that was that was out of line that's not how I want to use my words it's not how I want to use my thoughts God, will you forgive me for that because see here's the sweet thing right when you have that moment when you discover something that's gonna need atonement because of Jesus Christ who made one sacrifice forever your next sentence after God would you please forgive me can be and thank you for your forgiveness in Jesus Christ that's the freedom of this kind of self-reflection that's the freedom that God wants to bring us through this I was talking to a couple of guys who are in men's groups here at Horizon and they said that their, their group had been doing a study and I was I admit I was trying to listen it was important stuff we were also eating chicken wings and I was really hungry and every time Like, as a Buffalo Bills fan, Buffalo Wings, I'm thinking Chicken Wings, I'm thinking Super Bowl, I'm thinking this is, yeah, keep talking, this is really good, Chicken Wings. But this is what hit me, this is what kind of snapped me out of it for a minute. Like, as good as the Chicken Wings are, like, all right, get the wings out of the way. Because I'm talking to Harold and Tom, and they said that as they were doing this study, they were looking at guys in the Bible who had become tremendous leaders for God. Whether that was from the top or whether that was from like grassroots, whatever it was. And guys like David, guys like Daniel, guys like Samuel, guys like Isaiah. All of them had figured out how in their lives to just be still. And listen for that still small voice of God speaking. And just how awesome of of a few months it had been for them to start practicing that. To just sit in a time of self-reflection and let God speak. Hey, what do you think about that last 24 hours? And Actually, if that's the case, then God, what do you think about the next 24 hours? If I face that again today, would your Holy Spirit help me to respond differently than I might have last time? Would you help my eyes be open for the things that you've blessed me with that I can be thankful for? To have the confidence to go to God that way. And I loved hearing that from these guys. Because when you think about why they have that confidence, why they can continue to do that, it's because of exactly what is in this passage. Right? In fact, the things that is the same in both holidays, in verses 2-4 through four and 8-10, through 10, you notice there's all of these offerings, but notice right in the middle, both of them say carefully that they have to be without blemish. Be sure... They are without blemish. So if you're going to sit in quiet time with God, if you're going to bring repentance to him and confession to him and seek forgiveness from him, you had better make sure that what you are offering to God is without blemish. No spots, no defects, no mistakes. It's got to be perfect. When you put that in their city, you, you feel that tension, right? Of like, oh, this lamb is, ah, oh, man, well, it's just little, right? You think we can, ah, I better not risk it. Keep it going. Keep them coming. Bring me another lamb. Searching for that unblemished lamb that could be your offering. So I want us to just cut to the chase a little bit on this one. Because again, if you look at like verses 6 and 11, where he's talking about all of these different kinds of off- offerings, this is on top of all the regular stuff. On top of the normal burnt offering and the normal grain offering. But he says all of this is according to their ordinance. This is something God's asking them to do. And it's a sweet aroma. An offering made by fire to the Lord. Okay, we really hit home on that last week. How that that smell of these offerings, it's almost like it would fill God's nostrils. And he would say, "Mm, what's that? Ah, it's my people. They're ready to celebrate with me. understand their need for forgiveness that's what I'm here for I love that smell right all of this that God has given them so when you think about how to bring an unblemished offering one of the guys in my study group this week pointed out they couldn't even bring an offering unless God had first blessed them with all the animals they would need to bring the offering remember they were slaves in Egypt they've been wandering the wilderness for 40 years But he's about to bring them into a land flowing with milk and honey. A land of promise. A land of plenty. Where there will be bulls and rams and sheep and goats and and wheat to make flour and oil and wine. They wouldn't even have an offering to bring if God didn't give them an offering. Guys, you cannot miss that. Because otherwise, I know I, I feel like maybe I'm messing with you a little bit, but like, If somebody tells me, you better make sure your offering's unblemished, I'm like, I will try my best. Okay. Legitimately, even if I do that from now on, if I'm perfect and spotless and make no mistakes, from now on, I already blew it. I'm already not spotless. I'm already not perfect. If I'm trying to find something unblemished, it's not coming from me. In fact, one of the other guys in the group These guys are really doing their homework this week. And I'm telling you, if you're not part of a men's group or a women's group, shameless plug, you're going to love it. So um, you can talk to me. You can talk to Gail Maui. You can talk to any of us. We'll help you. But they were doing great homework this week because another guy brought in a chart of just how many offerings this is, just at the national level, that there would be 113 bulls every year, 37 rams, 1,093 male lambs, 30 goats, over a ton of flour, and over a thousand bottles of wine and a thousand bottles of oil. None of them could bring any of that as desperate as they were for atonement unless God brought it first. And in fact, if you see in verses 5 and 11, that's really what all of this is pointing to. This, that other thing that happens in both passages, this is to make atonement for you. A sin offering for atonement. So that word atonement, what does that mean? We've used it a lot today, but we've got to define it. And the, the easiest definition I heard for this was actually off an old tape that I had as a kid. I would like play it while I'm falling asleep. Remember? Cassette tape, you remember those? I upgraded. I actually have it on a CD now. Really cool. But there was this song singing a verse about how Jesus is our atonement. And the definition that it gave, they said... You see, what happens is our sin creates distance between us and God. It separates us from him. But because Jesus paid the price for our sin, through Jesus, we are at one. Atoned with God again. That Jesus erases the gap. Jesus carries our sin away. Jesus dies in our place. He is the unblemished offering that I could not give except that God gave it to me. And you find this all over the New Testament. But I decided I would read for you a little bit of it just from Hebrews. Because I found that the more I read Numbers, the better I understand Hebrews. And the more I read Hebrews, the better I understand Numbers. And so this is, it's, it's all over Hebrews even, but I'm just going to pick a little bit for you from Hebrews 10, in, starting with verse 11 because he talks about this tension that every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins right that even the ones they were doing in numbers were not taking away their sins the new testament tells us that every sin that has ever been forgiven was on the basis of jesus christ all of those things were a shadow pointing to his one sacrifice ...that this man, Jesus Christ, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever... ...sat down at the right hand of God. From that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering he has perfected forever. Those who are being sanctified. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus... That's talking about the holy of holies, not just in a tent, but in heaven itself. Where they would go with trepidation every year with ropes around their ankles and just, you know, anxiety on the outside. I hope he makes it out of there. I hope we get forgiven. Christ follower with boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. And so as one commentator put it, now all the spiritual merits that were achieved by following the rituals of the ancient day of atonement, all of them are readily available to anyone at any time in any place through jesus christ we no longer have the daily weekly monthly and annual tension we no longer have like once a year i hope we get forgiveness for another year we have once for all past present and future so that we come with boldness into the very presence of god with full assurance in our faith. So I wonder sometimes when we read these things, would it have been easier for them to believe? Because they can see the priest. They can watch him walk in. They can watch him come out. There's your proof. God forgave us. They can see a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud and bulls and goats and rams and they can smell it. Would it have been easier for them? Because all they had was shadows. So I want you to hear this today, that when the priest would walk out of there and everyone's like watching for him, and he would announce, it's finished, it's forgiven, God has atoned. Would you hear the voice of Jesus from the cross shouting to make sure you hear it? It is finished. If you have trusted his death and his resurrection for your forgiveness, God has atoned for you. And so the fourth and maybe the most important principle that comes out of this for us, repent and believe that the Lord made atonement for you. I think sometimes, even as Christ followers, right, like there's, when when Jesus comes to start the kingdom, this is what you hear everyone in the New Testament teaching. Repent and believe. The kingdom of heaven is near. And there's a first time to do that. There's a first time to realize that maybe I've been hanging out at church a lot. Maybe I've known about this thing for a long time. But have I actually sat down and said to God, I need a forgiver. I've been a sinful person and I believe that you are the one who forgives me in Jesus' name. Right? There's a first time for that. But then there's a really good rhythm of continuing in that reflection to repent to God. And I think sometimes what happens to us as Christ followers is we repent and then we wallow in guilt. And it actually holds us back from changing when he says, no, 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 no. I already died for that. You're already forgiven. I'm glad you recognize it now. Let's grow. And there's a freedom in that. I was talking to my friend Mike just a couple of weeks ago. He was sharing with some of the guys. He's got a terminal cancer diagnosis that he is living through right now. And his daughter's about the same age as my daughter and both of us are uh, homeschooling families because like, what were we thinking? But we've got to you know our families have kind of joined together over that and hit it off a little bit and so it's been really hard to kind of watch him go through this and he's seen some incredible healing and we're just praying that God continues to do a miracle as he's facing this but what was telling us was that as he's gone through this he's found himself spending more and more time just being quiet with God time in repentance and time just listening feeling like he's hearing God more clearly than he ever has in his life And he said something like, it's been so much fun. Like, convince me, Mike. (laughs) I think what I heard was terminal cancer and repentance. And neither of those sound like that much fun. But this is what he was saying. That when he sits down and if there's something he finds that he hasn't confessed. Or that God wants to deal with his heart on. And maybe needs to apologize to somebody or whatever it is. But everything he finds is something that's already forgiven. So it's an instant moment of release. God, thank you that this too is under the blood of Jesus Christ. Anything else you want to talk about? And and I can confirm because just before he told us that uh, me and another one of the guys were kind of hanging out and he's like, hey, do you ever get like a text from Mike that's out of the blue and at at exactly the right moment? I'm like, yes, I do. (laughs) So when he said, I've been praying and hearing clearly from God, I'm like, yes, you have. Because there's moments where it's like, I think the Holy Spirit told mike because i wasn't listening so he told mike and mike texted me and i'm like i'm listening you know and just what a sweet time it has been not only to repent but to believe that the lord made atonement for you so here's what i would encourage you as kind of our takeaway today i want us to hear the trumpet and sound the trumpet and maybe you don't have a shofar Maybe you can't do the, the teruah with one of these. But would you hear it? Would you let it wake you up? Spend that time with God. If there's somewhere that he says you're getting complacent and I've got better for you. I've got something greater in mind. And believe him. That anything you can find is already forgiven. In fact, I would encourage you this week. Take time this week. Sometimes what I'll do is I'll just set like a five-minute timer on my phone. I I learned this from another guy. Flip the phone over so I'm not tempted to be like, how long has it been, you know? (laughs) But you'll find that like that first minute feels like really long. But once you kind of actually slow down, you'll snooze that timer because you want to keep going with God. So even if you just take five minutes this week, I think this is kind of fun because we get to practice almost the same rhythm as them. They would hear the Feast of Trumpets, spend that week with God, reflecting on where He wanted them to, to repent and to grow, and then they would celebrate His forgiveness through atonement. Well, today we're talking about the Feast of Trumpets. If you hear this trumpet, if you spend time with God that way this week, repenting, reflecting, how can I grow? Well, next week we're going to come back and celebrate the Lord's Supper together, our reminder of forgiveness and atonement. With full assurance that you're not waiting till next week to find out if you're forgiven. That's just our celebration when we remember it together. So would you take time that way this week? But then I would also encourage you, how might you sound the trumpet? Who do you know? Who are your friends? Who are your neighbors that don't know this message? That don't know the joy of being forgiven? And how might you sound the trumpet for them? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I am so thankful to you For this group of people, in the tent, in the room, online, Lord, as we're moving together, as your people in this place, we just pray, and I pray for myself too, Lord, that we would hear the trumpet. That if there's somewhere that we are complacent or we are off track, we thank you for the goodness to call us back from it, to wake us up. Help us to hear it, Lord. Lord, I also ask as we're thinking about the people around us, if there are people who need to hear that trumpet call, that there is a Savior who is coming back, who loves them and wants to forgive them. God, I pray that your spirit would move in those places in ways that we can't, and that if there's some way for us to lean in there, that you would give us the courage to do so as we both hear the trumpet and sound the trumpet. Lord, you are our provider. Lord, honestly, I think even today of of the people who are experiencing the flooding just south of us, places like Happy Church that we've been partnered with who are trying to serve your kingdom and help provide for others that are experiencing devastation from this right now, would you be with them? Would you comfort them? Would you be their provider? And Lord, we will thank you for all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. One quick note for you, because one of the great places to invite a friend or a neighbor who maybe you want to start sounding that trumpet for is coming up in a couple weeks. It's Family Fun Night. So you can can get the details online. We'd love it if you would register. Register your friends if they're coming so we know how many to expect. that's one of our great celebrations. So we'd love to have you there and we'd love to have you back next week. Thank you for coming.